Hello and welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast recently, you'll know that aside from just the normal um, whatever episode uh, idea comes to me and moves me or a sermon that turns into an episode, we have the Christian Phrases series that's going on as well and going to kind of continue doing that through the coming months. Um, But we are also on the Christian calendar and we are in Lent right now. And so being that we're in the first week of Lent, we want to shift our attention toward that. And continuing to follow the lectionary as I, I preach on Sundays, and it's really drawn by a particular uh, interesting situation that happened uh, a couple weeks ago someone at one of the churches I'm at uh, comes up and goes hey what's the significance of the number 40 I was reading and I saw the number and I know it comes up quite often in scripture what is what is that all about and uh, I said well let me let me go home and write something out for you um, because there's lots of thoughts on it and lots of work people have put into it. But let me let me go home and uh, I'll have something for you next Sunday. And I went home and I started looking at the lectionary. I started researching the number 40 and it turns out that it all just kind of flows together. And it's kind of the perfect time to talk about 40 days as well, being here at the beginning of Lent, which is... 40 days leading up to Easter. And I'm going to read, um, just read one of the scriptures uh, that I spent a a good deal of time reflecting on for this. Um, I will try to link all of the Bible stories and biblical accounts and verses that I reference in this episode at the, uh, in the show notes. If I miss one, I apologize. Um, I'm going to read two verses, actually. I'm going to read to you 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22, and then Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Uh, but I also reflected on the story in Genesis um, where God establishes a covenant with Noah and his descendants post the flood. Um, but let's get into our scriptures for today. So from 1 Peter, we read, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made a proclamation to the spirit, spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey. God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few that is, eight persons were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. And then from Mark, we read, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven came, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So in the history of God's children, from the flood to the fall of the temple in Jerusalem, the the second temple destruction, uh, the number 40 comes up a lot. Hebrew numbers have a lot of symbolism around them and often carry multiple uh, meanings. The Hebrew language, as I've talked about in other episodes, is alphanumeric, so each letter comes with a numerical value. And as with many things in the Christian faith, there are a lot of different theories about the number 40, the different ways that it combines other Hebrew numbers and the ways it shows up in the scriptures here and there and cross over into secular society. It, it, gets, it gets a little conspiracy theory sounding at times. But the most simple and least mental hoopy that I have figured to jump through is that the number 40 simply is the number of trial, or the number of test, like being tested. Now, generally speaking, this does not seem to carry many nice feelings. If we think of the story of Noah, 40 days and 40 nights, destroy the wickedness of the earth, and with it all the creation that had saddened God. The Israelites spent 40 years in the desert, brought on by poor choices and a rebellious spirit. Goliath challenged Israel to send their strongest warrior for 40 days, in which Israel was humiliated daily during that time. And there are a lot of other ways that 40 seems to show up, connected in part to some test or trial on some onset of difficulty. Whether that is, again, the age of Moses when he went to Pharaoh or the days Elijah wandered without food in the wilderness to the number of flocks or herds and different important stories in the Bible, 40 is not just his number or sign of difficulty, however. It is also the signal that something new, often better, is coming. I had, uh, in, in reading for... Uh, responding to that gentleman originally I had read someone describing it as the number of level up if uh, you think of the the Bible or the story of God's people it's kind of like a video game it's like the level up number for Goliath the end of 40 days was tragic but the step forward in David's and Israel's story for the flood after the rains and the sun came out the next part of the story started For Israel in the desert, it was the end of 40 years of establishing, uh, at the end of 40 years, we start to establish a kingdom and setting up the next part of the development of a faith that goes on to be known as Judaism and eventually Christianity. And it's, as I said a few moments ago, it's, it's a great moment right now to talk about the number 40 because 
we're in this first week of Lent. This is the 40-day period leading up to Easter, and for Christians, Easter is one of those big holidays, one of those cornerstone moments in the establishing of this faith. It is a signaling moment that what Jesus said would happen, what the triune God promised would happen, did happen. 40 days we have now as an opportunity to prepare our hearts, minds, and souls to celebrate this moment. And as we're looking at this, it's a good moment to reflect on Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. Now, when you have heard it said that Jesus wandered into the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted, what comes to mind? What, what does that place look like in your mind? Take a moment and think about what that place would look like. You know, if, as long as you're not driving, um, close your eyes for a moment and, and imagine what it looks like in your mind's eye. For me, growing up, when I heard the wilderness, I thought of a wooded area, someplace like a national park, perhaps. Um, you know, you might be thinking of the rolling hills and mountains, the likes of uh, Appalachia here in the United States. Something that is important for us to know, whatever you have in mind, is that the word translated to wilderness here is not a great translation. The word uh, both Matthew and Mark used to describe where Jesus went is a Greek word, erimon. This translates more to desert, uninhabited wilderness, wasteland. It's implying, in, in some contexts, to be a forsaken, desolate place. So the place that Jesus was driven into or sent into is a place where nothing really existed. It was a barren land. And if you have seen, you know, some something like a, a great sandy, duny place, um, it's like that to some extent in what I was researching uh, of what that would look like, the area that they believe Jesus went into. So this, this place where you hear Jesus is being sent to is someplace where harsh heat and scorching sun was just unescapable during the day, and at night it was frigid cold. And it was not, not at all like a camping trip as one might have thought of this place Jesus went. It was intense isolation and deprivation. Jesus was driven into this after his baptism before he entered into his ministry. And like I mentioned, it might seem like a rather unfortunate thing to happen, but like the Israelites, God had sent Jesus in the wilderness to experience something different to learn from. Experience harsh living, hunger, thirst, deprivation of shelter, community, and other basic needs. It is this period of testing, and this in part is a way to show us and reassure us that the triune God and Jesus Christ experiences the harshest things that every one of us face in this life. Jesus in this 40 days experienced what the worst part of being in the wilderness for 40 years was like. The isolation of being stuck on an ark for what must have felt like a lifetime. The tempting and humiliation of a taunting foe, like the Israelites with Goliath. Amongst many other ways that Jesus shares in our suffering in this life, while 
all of this seems harsh and hard, it is a precursor to Jesus making the difference he did in the world. After Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he enters three years of rapid ministries from calling a community of different people to build the church, to healing the sick, speaking out against oppression, evil, injustice, legalism, authoritarianism, giving voice to the lowest of society, feeding people's spiritual and physical needs. There's so much good and change that started after this 40-day period. Those 40 days in isolation in this wilderness was the stepping stone to the point where one might argue we get to where we can go to a sanctuary on a Sunday and worship the triune God. So now, you know, we're here in this beginning of a 40-day period leading to Easter. This is our opportunity to enter into this time of testing or trial for our faith as individuals and communities of faith. So this is not a trial period where you're um, looking for the depravity around us and seeing what tempts us the most. Um, I've seen people do that. As much as this is the opportunity to take and grow one's faith, to learn more about faith and discipleship, to deepen connection to God, it's an invitation to enter the wilderness, that Irimon. For the Israelites, that 40-year time was a time to learn how to do life in faith, solely relying on God. They were on their own and not reliant now on the systems that they were accustomed to in Egypt. And there is part of the Israelites' story leaving Egypt where they wanted to return because they knew what to expect and they didn't have to rely on anything other than the government of Egypt to care for them. They had to learn how to deepen their connection to God, to become the people of God. For Noah, he had to rely on God and trusting and building this ark, going in and amidst this massive change in the world around him, trusting that God alone was the provider and protector. For King Saul and the Israelites at the end of this 40 days that Goliath is taunting them, the example that was shown them was David coming in and solely relying on God to take on Goliath. This time of trial, this period of wilderness, does not need to be a total wasteland like that which Jesus wandered, but it does call into focus that we can grow most when we are focused, forced into some hardship to focus on God alone. When we take away things in, of this world so that we can focus on God, we can enter a period of growth, breakthrough, and goodness beyond what we have experienced before that. So a question for us to start with is what is the wilderness, that Iriman that we can go into? Because there's another part of this scripture uh, that I believe needs to be addressed, where, where it talks about Jesus going into the wilderness, and it's the Greek word to, word to show what the Spirit did, because it's another word that's not translated well. The word, which is ekbale, would more honestly be understood as forcefully ejected, expelled, or coerced. So if we think of the context of the story, the story Jesus gets baptized and 
the Spirit immediately forced Jesus into this wasteland to wander and be tempted. So take that in for a moment. That might seem just a bit heavy, but if you've ever felt like you had no choice, consider that Jesus literally had no choice. The Spirit of God is continually there providing for providing ways for us to grow, for us to serve, for us to become more deeply connected to our faith and to God. So then the question is, if we, as we enter into these, these 40 days wandering, this invitation to the wilderness, this preparation for Easter, where is the Spirit pushing you to grow into a deeper relationship with God? Where is God pushing you to grow? And if you think you've already have been at the deepest and best of your faith for a while, um, or even think that you've finally reached the top level, you've plateaued. You've become somewhat just accustomed to this next level, but there is always deeper. And if you're shying away from where the Spirit is directing you, you are missing out on a deeper, more fulfilling relationship with God. If you say you have no direction, you have already been there. You have nothing at this point. You are missing the Spirit's direction. The Spirit will always guide us into places where we need to be and where the best opportunity for us to grow is if we're willing to listen. Whereas Jesus was acutely attuned to the Spirit because of the outpouring of the Spirit after his baptism and felt the expelling power of the Spirit, we, at times, either ignore it or missing it if we're not seeking to grow. There are times, and I, I, I can point to at least one in my life where I felt I had absolutely no choice. And I wonder, in reflecting for this um, episode, if, if it wasn't the Spirit doing that forceful direction But how are you called to grow? Where is the spirit driving you? What is the wasteland, that airy mon that God is calling you into? Is it to give up something? And I don't mean like chocolate, I mean like TV, social media. It could be something like Ice Cream Sunday comic, the radio in the car. Um, but what is something that will that takes away from your ability to focus on God and the direction that God is calling you? Is the Spirit driving you to read a book or study uh, by someone with a different perspective than you on something like the Bible or discipleship or on social issues? Is the Spirit driving toward a person or people who you can talk about your faith with or that you can help make a positive difference in their lives? Or that they can make those things in your life? Are you avoiding people that God is pushing to make your life better by being interacting, or by being in interaction with them? And as you might understand from that long list, there are many, many opportunities to do this Arimon. And it might be as much as going to a different place. But where are you being driven into closer relationship with God? Where are you being called to rely on God more and less something else? 
a lot of wrestling that I invite you to do in those questions and in reflecting on that. So I would, I'm going to, I'm going to end the episode there. So I think that there is a lot of work that can be just identifying where the spirit is directing us to go to wrestle before we can move into that leveling up place, whatever that may look like in your life. So I would love to hear from you, love to get your perspective, your understanding of the number 40, your thoughts on the idea of being driven someplace by the spirit. Down in the show notes is all the contact for the podcast. You can reach out on social media, through email. If you're listening on Spotify, you can respond directly through a question box in the episode description. But please reach out. As always, I hope that you are doing well and know that God loves you so very much and there is nothing that you or anyone else can do about that. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, it's Nathaniel, the Pondering Theologian. Um, I would just like to say thank you to you who are listening to this episode. It means a lot to me to know that there are people who listen to this podcast and that there are those that find value in what I may say, or at least in causing some thought-provoking conversation in your head. I would be very grateful to, to you if you could share this episode with somebody that you care about, or if you find any episode that you find yourself thinking about or going back to, whatever it may be, if you could share this podcast with others, it would mean a lot to me. I'm not looking for it for monetary gain in any way, but I it means a lot to me personally in my own um, goals for this podcast to know that people find value in this conversation, whatever that value may be. And I would love to be able to have more conversation with more people. So if you could share the podcast with somebody, I would be very grateful. And again, thank you for listening to the Pondering Theologian podcast. See you in the next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.